0: Hey guys, what's up? Uh, Today's guest is Max Curzon-Price. He's a Canadian bartender who spent much of his time in the UK, working around the South and in some parts of London, before heading over to Vancouver and joining the team at the Botanist Dining Restaurant. Uh, What we talk about today is concept cocktails, uh, his experience in competitions, and really the thought process behind making some of his inspiring drinks. He's currently over at Puerto Rico, as I speak, for the Bacardi Legacy semi-finals, so we're wishing him all the best and good luck for that. As always, give us a like, share, join our community on Patreon, where you have all the exclusive updates, live feeds, and have a chance to answer your own question. So, without further ado, let's roll the intro.
1: Benjamin Franklin once said... In wine, there is wisdom. In beer, there is freedom. And in water, there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar, hosted by Christopher Manning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world we'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends people spirits cocktails wine and everything else so kick your feet up pour your favorite drink and hang out on the back bar this is christopher menning
0: max hi how you doing thank you for joining us on the back bar today how's everything going in canada
2: Chilly and cold. Yeah, for the first time in Vancouver, it's uh, it's dumping snow down this season. But you know, we we work with it. There's right. no such thing as bad weather here; just bad preparation.
0: Uh, how bad is the snow? Um, I mean, I've got this picture in my mind of you know tractors having to push everything out of the way and cars not being able to drive. Is it that bad in Canada?
2: No, man, they deal with it. Uh, <laughs> okay. The the rest of the rest of the country uh, actually somewhat looks down on on Canada. They're in. Uh, uh what they call the polar vortex here which sounds way more dramatic than it actually is but mm-hmm. f- for the most part we've got the rocky mountains on the east of vancouver which means that uh, all the all the polar winds which push most of canada in the winter down to like minus 25 to minus 45
1: mm-hmm.
2: it means it just keeps it keeps it away from us and, and we get like a a hearty minus five so yeah no man it's still barbecue weather here oh, We're having a good time.
0: well I mean we've given you a short introduction before the show started um, but if you could give us your five minute rundown of a bit about you and your background um, in hospitality
2: yeah for sure um, yeah I started bartending back in in Brighton in the UK uh, a little bit south of London did my time around there Mm-hmm. With yourself included. Yeah, that's where we Great first team. met.
0: Uh, it's been a few
2: years <laughs> oh, yeah, big up to uh to, to Ben Manchester and Yarick over there. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, did my did my rounds in Brighton for a little while. Uh opened up a spot in London um with Ali Bell over there. We had some had some fun in central London. Ended up coming back down to Brighton for a couple of reasons. London's London's a beast. She's a sumptuous bitch. And then uh, yeah, I did my time and then eventually around the time about the referendum, I ended up moving out to uh, Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada here, um, taking a bit more of a, I think what I thought was going to be a step into uh, a change of my personal lifestyle and didn't come with any plans. I'd never been out here before. Uh, just wanted to see something new, experience something as, as you do when you're in your mid to early 20s and ended up really falling in love with the bar scene out here as well. So that sort of cemented my position within hospitality career and um, started started heading in that pretty strong, uh, threw myself at a few cocktail competitions, got to know the scene a little bit, got to meet a few different people. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a journey, but you know, it's coming up to a decade of, of being behind the bar and doing it in multiple places around the world and yeah, very very fortunate to be able to to make drinks and travel with it. And I think much like yourself, um, it's always a a real true pleasure in life to, to to be able to meet people and and have have communications and exactly like speaking to you. Right, it's been it's been a number of years, but it's mm-hmm. great that people still exist and and those those communications and, and bonds are never never really severed or broken. Uh, Absolutely,
0: yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, hospitality yep. is a people industry, right? and um i mean yeah touching on competitions which we'll talk about a bit later you've you've gone through a lot i mean Bacardi legacy world class um one thing i do want to talk about first is uh the the bar scene in canada what's that like over there um you're obviously right now at the botanist dining uh, which is a fantastic venue um but if you could tell us a bit more about the sort of the bar landscape i guess in in your part of the world that'd be great
2: cool yeah um canada's very different to the UK, I would say the, I think, you know, the UK is very progressive, but because it's sort of a lot, a lot of Britain I feel holds itself on top of Europe. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, like London is full of Italian bartenders. We have a ton of French influence, um, huge talent coming from Europe, but they're, they're all sort of looking at, at London as this sort of pinnacle. Um, I do subsequently feel that that ends up meaning that parts of London sometimes can appear as if it's sort of resting on its laurels a little bit. And we have the exact same here, same thing here where the U S is obviously the big booming scene between New York and San Francisco and LA. Um, and so, so Canada in the same way that you have all these sort of uh, Italian or Spanish French bartenders making their way across to the UK, Canada's kind of, In a similar state, I suppose, you know, we sit in the shadow of the U.S. quite a lot and we don't get the same recognition and it's that we don't have the same big travel ports like like Houston, for example, which, you know, it has links to to maybe 200 different cities around the world. So creates these huge hubs of like hospitality, movement and traveling. Um, The Canadian scene is pretty, pretty much divided between toronto and vancouver is two core cities toronto is much further to the east um near detroit about an hour from north of detroit in in the states of michigan and then uh vancouver right on the the far west coast but the only thing with vancouver is it it quite literally as as far as you know the the western map goes is is literally the end of the world you know any further west and you kind of come come around on the other side of of the map so again we're not we're not a huge travel city but it's about three million people here um cocktail scene is i would say quite progressive and yeah. it's definitely grown in the last three years or so there's been been a few new bars that have opened up across canada that are really starting to pick up in and create waves and there's definitely uh, a real large push to get people to mix up their their lifestyles or or drinking habits to, to to push more towards mixed drinks um there's still obviously a very large beer culture here there's a huge wine scene particularly here in british columbia but cocktails are definitely up on the rise at the moment uh and i think we're we're sitting on on top of our game it's not like it sort of fluctuates in the same way that let's say london saw a fall of the cocktail in like the 90s um, and we're building it back up. But yeah, Canada's Canada's doing great.
0: Okay, and you're part of the Botanist Bar team, an award-winning bar team too, most notably bowls around the world. You've been in Canada's 50 Best Bars 2019 it's top 10, I believe as well. Um, I, yeah. I'm looking at the menu, and it, it seems really progressive. Can you tell us a bit about sort of your influence in the cocktail menu, where a lot of the inspiration comes from? And we'll go further into this in terms of what concept cocktails are in a minute too. But yeah, it'd be really good to get an overview of the botanist bar and what it's like there.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, botanist has been around now, coming up, coming up three years. Uh, some joker on the marketing team opened a bar called Botanist on four twenty, so April twentieth will be our, our. <laughs> okay. uh, third, I know it's it's great. Mm. Will be our will be our our third year. Um, it's i think the particular verbiage is is sophisticated yet whimsical uh we don't like to take ourselves too seriously but the drinks are simple clean but quite complex uh focusing on like really bright fresh i really hate to use the word seasonal because there's Mm -hmm. not really such a thing as seasonal especially in bars if you buy your limes from mexico you're not a seasonal bar but i don't know any bar that doesn't have lemon or lime juice and guaranteed that doesn't come from any country as, as as far north as this. Um so we do to some extent move with the seasons. Um the flavors do change and come in and out, but we uh we like to use a lot of a lot of the weird and wild sort of botanicals that we uh sort of find within this location with this area. 30% of Vancouver is um, is Asian as well. So we have this huge influx of like really wild, weird things that we, we wouldn't find in, in, in Western cuisine so much. Uh, so we, we tried to tap into that as much as we can. Uh, we're fortunate enough to have, uh, uh a cocktail lab. So we have a, a centrifuge and a rotor evaporator and bandsaws and various pieces of equipment at our disposal that, uh, definitely allow us to, to create some, some relatively, elevated drinks, uh, as well as having huge amounts of, of storage space of, um, both fridge, freezer and, and heated spaces as well. So we can do a lot of things from switching, which is pretty cool right now to things like pyrolization and, um, sort of like, I don't know, various types of fermentations and stuff. We're, we're very fortunate to have a lot of tools uh, at our disposal. So okay, yeah, I don't know, sky's the, sky's the limit. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. I mean, I'm looking at some of the cocktails now. Um, we've got Treebeard, um, Douglas Fir, Gin, mm. Oaked Rye, Cedar, Birch Sap, Alderwood Smoked Tea. Um, they sound incredible. And obviously you said a lot of the ingredients from the area. In terms of things like centrifuge Rotovaps, it's such a big thing now. And I mean, obviously some of the top bars in the world are using these pieces of equipment. But I mean, where does um, your knowledge come from, from this? Is this from working at the botanists or did you learn? Was there resources you found? I mean, what sort of advice would you give to maybe upcoming bartenders who want to get into this type of equipment?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm going to be really honest, as far as the bar program goes right now, I think once you have access to pieces of kit machinery like that, you realize how much work it is to use them. Like doing a cycle on a one liter centrifuge takes 30 minutes of labor like and then let's say you need to scale that up to i don't know we we have like a clarified raspberry pisco for example that we make it's it's a small touch to make sure the drink stays marginally more clear it looks good in the glass it doesn't really affect the flavor of the drink but it takes up like literally hours of manpower so is it worthwhile yes we still justify it but some of some of the most effective and like fantastic ingredients that we have behind that bar, I would absolutely say it, are things you could literally do in your kitchen at home. It just takes time and consideration and, uh, and frankly, a good palate. And that's not necessarily to say it has to be your palate. Like, the more people you speak to and the, the more you share your knowledge amongst each other, the better that sort of cumulative palate becomes of, of, of really honing in what a great ingredient is. Mm the more you sort of hold these ideas to yourself, uh, the, the, the slower it becomes for everyone. So, uh, yeah, I would absolutely, it's great to have a huge budget and like I say, you know, sky's the limit in terms of yeah, like heat controlled spaces, X, Y, and Z, but, but really the bet, the coolest things you can do is, is with a couple of cool cocktail books and, hmm. and, and, and a hot plate at home. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> True. Um, uh, you mentioned switching can you give us some examples of, of some switching you're doing at the moment for the menu
2: we're playing around with it at the moment we've got a lot of different things uh vermouth was obviously the, the first go-to uh for reference with switching it's it's something that came about in about six months ago uh whereby you take um any any given liquor really and put it into like a real deep freeze you're looking past negative 36 degrees to freeze the the water the water that would be put into um any distillate to bring it up to about 40 percent or so off of distillation and then you take the frozen particles pass it the restrainer uh all the ice crystals that you catch you weigh and then uh we'll let's say you do that with two different distillates and then those ice crystals you'll basically have let's say uh peated whiskey ice, which obviously turns into water, is the water that, let's say, Aardbeg added to it. And then one that we're mixing with at the moment is uh, Giffard's banana liqueur. So you're then taking uh, the non-alcoholic, the, the water extracted from the banana liqueur and switching that into the Aardbeg. So subsequently, what you end up with is like this whisper of like baked banana and Ardbeck, um in pizza whiskey, or you end up with like pizza banana liqueur. Right. Both for the record of fucking delicious. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, we, we were doing a lot. Vermouth is obviously easier for most people because, um, lower ABV means that you can do it in a, in a standard commercial freezer. We did, uh, where we, we do have some space that we can do some, some heavier liqueurs, but yeah, just, just for people at home, it's, it's super easy to, to switch up Vermouth's or Maro's chuck it in the freezer, Let the ice crystals, form over, over 24, 48 hours, strain it through a fine strainer, weigh that, and then throw something else in it. I mean, you can do acid solutions, so you can acidify vermouths, you can do uh, cordials, oleos, anything. I mean, just just mixes it up so, so dramatically. Um, but very, again, very, very simple and just things you can do at home. It just takes a, a little bit of consideration.
0: Yeah, for sure, and uh, just for the audience as well. There's a really good article from Punch Drink. Uh, if you just Google switching alcohols, the first one comes up. It's called Goodbye Fat Washing, Hello Switching. And you're right, it's very, yeah, great. very new. It's but, great article. Yeah, and let's go into cocktails then. You know, we I really want to touch on the the concept cocktail idea because you're you're quite the person behind this, and uh, I've always been quite impressed with some of your drinks. There's one particular drink that I want to mention um, from your time in Brighton, Obi wan Negroni do you remember that one (laughs) do you want to tell the audience about that i mean that was that was great i loved it but yeah do you want to explain your idea
2: yeah that was a lot of fun it was uh it was a white negroni um we just we just wanted to like really throw ourselves into all the Star Wars puns that we could possibly do that was at the cocktail shack so it was a, Mm. a fun little sort of like modern style tiki bar and every drink on the menu was just a dumb pun Kids, um, yeah. so yeah it started with uh qui-gon gin which was um, uh what do we do i think we did a, like a green tea and pink peppercorn wash on the gin uh princess lelea that was just regular Lilay. we just decided to name it different uh we did like a a, a black tea sous i think was like a lapsang sushong. so that was t3po and then uh, the drink was served on a Cassis infused ice ball Death Star. So it was just like a, a deep purple uh, ice ball in the shape of the Death Star. But the idea being really that you pour your white Negroni over the drink, and of course, with the influence of the Death Star over, over time, your drink would quite literally go to the dark side. So yeah, we managed to get uh, five Star Wars puns into one drink. But, yeah, that was a that was a taste little number.
0: I mean, I love it. And it's really encapsulates everything you were trying to do with that cocktail. And there's the storytelling behind it, the experience. And I think um, you're probably a lot more elevated in what you're doing now back then. But it's fun. It's um, it's great. Um, Another cocktail we'll talk about now, which is one you're really big on promoting. um, And it's a really good course too. is Ply to the Bumblebee, uh, which is your Bacardi Legacy cocktail for 2020. Right. So let's talk about that. Tell us your story behind that
2: that started coming up you know exactly like you just mentioned on a minute ago is uh, we started to develop this sense of uh, a desire to to create a story behind the drink rather than just like sliding a glass across the bar and and serving somebody half a cup of whiskey like not mad at that either but um i think we start to become accountable and responsible as bars for creating a sense of positivity or or being able to create change within our environments. Uh, Supply so to the Bumblebee is something that is working in, in unison with a program that I started um, about six months ago. I started a little nonprofit called Hive of Apiarists. Um, and the idea being that if we could just create one drink and and really push it out into the world, uh, and, and for every drink sold, we just pull a, a, a small donation back, then we'll be able to do something pretty progressive with that, with that little bit of financial influence. Uh, so the drink is very simple. It's, uh, a double ounce, of Bacardi, Ocho, um, 22 mil of, uh, grapefruit juice, uh, seven mil of lemons. So that's like a three to one grapefruit to lemon that I use, uh, some one-to-one grapefruit juice, uh, sorry, uh, local honey, uh, which, is the, is the sort of the core clincher of the drink and then just a little splash of Campari or Martini bitter, any sort of red bitter that you can get your hands on uh, to finish it up. So simple sort of daiquiri style build served on the rocks, but the idea, like I say, is really to utilize your own local honey wherever you are in the world. So, um, you know, it's always familiar, but it's symbiotic to your own neighborhood, your location. Uh, and that way, as a bartender, you're always able to sort of pour a, a literal taste of of your neighborhood or your town, your city, wherever you are. Um, and the more local and, and 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 small batch your honey is, the more you're you're literally supporting pollination and um, progressive attitude in your in your community and your biosphere as well. Uh, that that dollar that comes back to the hive of vaporists, uh, we. In the spring, when all the bees wake up here from from hibernation, we're going to be uh, purchasing both uh, beginner, intermediate, and advanced urban beekeeping courses for for three different Canadians, and then we're buying them their first um, first beehive and start colony and queen bee as well. So, literally by by buying the drink, you're, you're you're building beekeepers within your community. You're supporting pollination, and it's yeah, it's a really really simple drink, but it's now in Seven continents around the planet, uh, 17 different countries, and uh, more than 30 different bars.
0: Yeah, including Osaka, Japan, right? From our friend Matt Mm (laughs) Beggs. So I saw that recently.
2: Yeah, I love that guy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, it's a really good cause as well. I mean, there was an article quite recently I read about bumblebees being the most important animal on the planet because they are, you know, the... The amount of things they do in terms of pollination which seems like a small thing but it it kind of develops into a larger part of the ecosystem of the world and um, how important is this to you or you know your ethos behind this
2: i think once you start like shifting that gear away from like i was saying just putting a drink in front of a guest and starting to to pick a cause and, and go after it once you start to sort of take a, a personal sense of accountability towards that it it, it sort of sits deeper and deeper in you as, as the days go past. And the more interaction that you have with that cause, the the more you push towards it. Um, it's it's become something that's very important to me. Uh, I myself am going to put myself through some urban beekeeper training as well. I just feel at Great. this point, like I, I should, I should know. For the record, I'm not taking that out of the budget of non-profit, very much doing that on <laughs> my own. Good, okay. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but um. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, exactly like you said a second ago, the uh, National Geographic this year confirmed that the, right. the, the honeybee is the uh, number one most important living organism on planet Earth, which to no surprise, it's not humans. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they're accountable for three quarters of, of wild pollination. So that's not necessarily to account for uh, the food that, that we would consume. But it, it's for all of the tiny insects up to, you know, the huge bears that we have up in the mountains here. Huge mammals, everything in between that consumes these fruits, fruits, shoots, vegetables, and flowers that that go on to sort of literally keep the, the ecosystem, the balance in check. Like three quarters of the the food that is produced for, for for everything else. I mean, that's like such a huge burden that sits sits on the the tiny shoulders or or wings of these little animals that, um, we can't really, you can't afford to not give a shit. Um, so it's not like this drink's going to change it all overnight, but at least it's a conversation to start. It's, it's a step towards a a form of progression and, you know, as a a bartender who who puts on a uniform and steps, steps up onto a, a platform or a stage essentially every night and speaks to anywhere between 20 to 200 guests, you know, you, you, you have, you have a space and you have a platform to, to speak to people and people that will listen to you and they will drink your drink. And if you can evoke emotion and, and, and sort of pull out some of these senses of, of taste and smell and touch and sensation with, with a drink, then, uh, then yeah, we should definitely start thinking more about using that, those, those tools.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And, um, you said about being on the stage and you're right it's um i've always said hospitality is so much more than just pouring drinks for people you know we we've got a platform i guess you could say and i think when you've got a big course like this and you should be spreading the word you should be telling people all the time and especially when you're in front of 200 people like you said so that's great man i think what you're doing is amazing how can people get involved um if bars want to be doing your cocktail too if people want to donate to this course how how can they do that
2: um so it's quite simple the the i've got a website for it now so mm-hmm. hiveofapurists.com apurist is a a formal term for beekeepers uh you can go check out hiveofapurists.com and it's got all the information it's got your specs it's where you can find it around the world um it also has an opportunity for you to uh, apply for the, the subsidies on there as well uh a couple of questions that you have to to answer in order to to apply for that just for legal reasons but yeah there's all the information that's held on there uh otherwise you can always reach out to myself directly through through instagram uh i'm on at ink and drink otherwise uh yeah my email which okay. which is on the website as well
0: great well i'll put this all in the show notes as well for people to see for sure so this is going to be your bacardi legacy cocktail 2020 is this your year Yes, so is this the one you're going to win <laughs>
2: Uh, why would you bother doing it if you were gonna say no? Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't always want to go in and be like, oh, I'm absolutely gonna win this. But you know, we always try to set ourselves up for success. Um, it's, it's a really interesting program. I've spoken to a lot of bartenders before that have said that they weren't gonna do Bacardi Legacy because it is a lot of work and it's, it's a grind. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, it's been three, three months that I've been actively involved with it looked like a heading to Puerto Rico, knowing, knowing the date that I have to get everything done by it. And it kind of always sits in the back of your mind, you know, like sometimes you wake up in the, in the middle of the night and you're like, Oh, I should do this. Or you're like halfway through a seminar and you're like talking to people about it and you're like, Oh, I should do this instead. Or, you know, it, 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 it it's ever evolving. Um, but again, like if you're doing something for, a cause and a reason, and you can see change and impact in what you're doing, it becomes so much more pleasurable and enjoyable to do. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely going in, hoping that I can, uh, come out on top. But that being said, I wouldn't be massively disappointed because through, through this entire process, I've given myself the energy and the tools to, to do something that I will continue doing win or lose. Sure. So we
0: well, good luck to you. Honestly, yeah. I hope you do well. <laughs> we'll be, um, I hope I do we'll, we'll be watch. <laughs> I watch. Mean, when we're talking about these type of cocktails, the concept cocktails, which I keep calling them, where, where's your, I mean, what's your blueprint for this for bartenders who are listening? Um, where do you start? Do you start the spirit? Do you start the story? What is your sort of, um, your, your track of mind when you're making these
2: drinks? There's so many different ways that people bartenders in particular can approach uh, a cause or a program or something as simple as a drink. You know, it, it definitely comes from outside of bartending as well. in, in terms of building projects or, or lifestyles, whatever you like um, directly in regards to, to building drinks, I think, you know, back at that, that Tiki Shack, when we talk about the Obi-Wan Negroni, it like it always started with the name and then the drink followed with it because the main thing is it just had to have like some stupid, dumb, ridiculous pop culture name? Don't get me wrong, I still love that. I'm still yeah. all about.
0: There's still room for that.
2: Puns. I'm all about the puns. But um, I, I sort of started shifting the way I approach drinks in the last couple of years, thinking less about. Um, you've got these opportunities to think about your, your how. Like, how am I going to make this drink? You know, if you have an idea for, for some like wild, switched, clarified, re-distilled X, Y, Z like, okay, so you figure out how you're going to do it. You know what you're going to do, but then the sort of the underlying question and the one that, that really, for me, I find clinches it in terms of concept is, is why, like, mm-hmm. why are you creating this drink? What is the purpose of this? What is either the message you're trying to send? What is the emotion that you're trying to evoke? Um, as bartenders, we have this like beautiful opportunity to both work with, with our hands and our heart um, to create something physical and tangible that smells great, tastes fantastic, hopefully looks great. You know, Obviously, alcohol makes you feel great. It, it, it plugs away all these different senses. With, with a sense of storytelling that comes with it, you have, it sort of evoke a sense of sound as well. And in that opportunity, you have a moment that you can kind of pull on the, the, the sixth sense as well, which is to to evoke emotion, to to change uh, somebody's feelings and emotions in that in that particular moment. And and by doing that, uh, we have th- this really incredible ability to um, create an opportunity of change with that. So whether it's for a cause or let's say you want to do it, like you're saying concept cocktails where you have maybe three different drinks and you kind of want to take somebody on like different steps, different journeys through that. Um, that's, that's, that's a big part for me about concept cocktails is, is making sure I know exactly why I'm doing it and then figuring out how I'm going to achieve it. Uh, that definitely gives you a sense of direction. It's a great way to compile a, a menu that is spearheaded in, in one particular direction.
0: Sure. I mean, do you guys get a lot of downtime to work on a bar program?
2: Like R&D opportunities?
0: Yeah, I mean, how do you guys work on this at a botanist?
2: A lot of it's sort of while you work. We have a lot of conversations with each other. We're very fortunate to work on a a team that uh, we're all friends, you know, so there are times you go out and get ramen and hang out and have lunch and shoot this shit about a couple of different ideas. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, it takes – one person's idea but when it comes down to to writing the menu we we make sure that we are never jeff jeff savage is our, our our manager doesn't doesn't really give one person the task of like okay so we need a stirred preferably agave or rum based drink to fill this gap on a menu he'll give it to two people and he'll say like uh, for example i we, we the garden variety that's on the menu that's like a simple, vegetal, reimagined sort of um, tomato-free Bloody Mary, essentially, which ended up coming out with, like, cachaça, two ounces of yellow chartreuse, red pepper juice, uh, and lime, super, super simple. But um, when Jeff put that to me, in my mind, I think he was like, oh, I want something, like, vegetal and funky, served long, and I want to do some, like, Red Pepper Ramos Gin Fizz, and he said the same thing to Sam, and Sam saw it like as a, a simple stirred down coupe kind of drink, and together it, it becomes so much easier to to, to create a, a directed cocktail with positive success if you don't hold that information to yourself and you work with somebody else mm-hmm. to like give one person right like Chris, I'm going to need you to make this one single drink for this menu spot. Mm-hmm. That drink could be so much better if you have a sounding board the entire way through like you work with someone to create a cocktail rather than putting it on the menu and and like boldly being able to say oh that's just mine for sure and now i'm like super proud to be able to say like oh like this drink tonight actually me and sam did this together or me and roland did this or me and jeff or me and chris like yeah those two guys created that drink together it's not it's not a it's it's like as a bartender you're not a one-man band you're not, not a series you should not at least be a series of startenders behind a bar uh it's, it's team right it's it's yeah. a unit
0: yeah and you see this in some of the best bars in the world it is completely about a team i mean fantastic really i i really love what you're doing over in canada and i really love the cocktails you're doing too what's next for 2020 is there anything else apart from bakai legacy coming up that you want to talk about
2: I'm not sure yet, actually. It's been relatively all-encompassing.
0: Hmm.
2: I don't know a few people have asked me that. Uh, I've definitely got some travel coming up this year. we Puerto Rico in two weeks' time for the the finals uh, for North America. And then I'm actually flying direct to Cuba straight after that from Puerto Rico because I need some time to just unplug and relax and drink daiquiris and <laughs> sit on the like beach. It's
0: like a very good place to unplug. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, it's right there. I mean, it, it would be rude not to, right?
0: Yes.
2: Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I'm going to go smoke some cigars and drink some rum. Uh, we have a trip to Cape Town in South Africa from from Bowls, Bowls Around the World. We got that. Uh, that was part of the prize of that. So, we're going to go hang out with uh, the South African team, actually, who we got along with super, super well on that trip. Those guys are absolutely dynamite. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to do that. And outside of that, man, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't had the opportunity to think, what sure. is it, the, the 11th, 12th today? Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking that far ahead yet.
0: Okay. Well, good luck for you, honestly, for 2020. Um, for the audience, yeah, everything's in the show notes in terms of the cocktail applied to the Bumblebee and also uh, Max's Instagram too, which you can follow. Max, thanks very much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us.
2: For sure, man. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure.
0: Fantastic. We'll talk to you soon, okay?
2: Thanks, man. Look, after right, yourself.
0: That was it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show with me and Max. Uh, like I said, good luck to him for the competition. We hope he does well in Bacardi Legacy. I really urge you to get involved with Hive of the Apiress or Plight to the Bumblebee cocktail, uh, which you can find through his Instagram or his website as well. Next week, we have James Chase from Chase Distillery, the uh, founder and owner. And uh, it's a really good chat about sort of the stuff he's planning to do to get to the most sustainable distillery in the world that's a big task but um it sounds like he's really up for it and he's got some exciting things underway so that's all for me guys enjoy the rest of your week and talk to you all soon